Welcome to Mecha Nations, a Mecha anime critical analysis and rewatch podcast. I am your host, PMC Trilogy. With me today are Stephen Hero and Ignis Maddox. We are three longtime friends who have a deep love of mecha anime, mecha video games, and mecha things generally. Uh, and we want to share those conversations with uh, y'all out there, uh, especially in a thoughtful and goofy manner, That's as right. we tend to do. Uh, today, we are going to be starting Genlock, a 2019 series made by Rooster Teeth, and we'll be doing so in uh, four podcasts covering two episodes each. That's right. And uh, so lock gonna, it in. Yeah, I know. Lock it in. Get Genlock. It's you, one in a million chance, folks. If you're able to successfully listen to this podcast, you're a one in a million person. Right. That's right. You can you can normally interface without uh, other people try to listen to this podcast and, and they end up like that guy in episode two. They definitely get brain blasted. Like right, right now, I'm I'm actually not physically here recording with my two friends. I yeah. I have uh, digitally implanted my mind onto this microphone. It's true. When you guys, do you ever fan like when you're growing up or maybe currently when you guys fantasize about if the real world were a mecha anime. Sure. Do you guys think that, do you imagine yourself in the suits? I'm always in the control room. Oh, interesting question. What a way to start off our show. I'm I actually usually like this in a, question a lot. I'm usually in a walk and talk. Not that I'm idolizing Gendo, but in a Gendo-esque role. Oh. Just behind the, or any of the nerve uh, operators. I feel like I imagine myself as like bridge crew on a, on a white base, you know, like mm-hmm. like Torres or somebody, you know, that's I think that's where I am. I think if I am, see, this is such a fun. I question. could see you in the suit. See, I'm, I'm, I mean, I, 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 it makes me happy that you think so. But I, I think the honest answer to this is that uh, growing up, I think it is that Amara Ray hair. Yeah, that's true. I, I do have in real life Amara Ray hair. But I, I, I think growing up, it's hard not to see yourself specifically through the eyes of the, the pilot protagonists. You know, I, I think as an adult, I. I my, I think my concern is that my my general moral quandary is, oh shit, I might be a protagonist, huh? Yeah, mm-hmm. fuck. Yeah, Damn is, it. is fighting really good? Yeah, it no, was more good. Bad, yeah, bad, maybe. I'm a natural tactician, so. Mm-hmm. I, so I would have said until you mentioned that uh, I I see myself as in the way that sort of Miguel I, as like the sort yeah. of hapless engineer right. a little bit. Um, yeah, but so speaking of Miguel Migas, uh, Genlock. 2019 series, I did a little bit of history research on this. I, I think, uh, you know, compared to our, our first series, of course, was, was Gundam Wing, and we spent a, a good chunk of time on that. Uh, Genlock is a little, a little fresher. Uh, before doing research, I think most of us, if we saw Rooster Teeth, we thought of the long-running Machinima series, uh, Red versus Blue. In fact, I don't think we were actually certain that it was still running, but apparently it is on its 17th season now, and Ooh. it's considered the longest-running episodic web series. If you remove the word episodic, it is the second longest-running web series. Anyone want to tell me what the f- longest-running web the series is? Flintstones. Simpsons? Homestuck. <laughs> Replace the second word. Star. Homestuck? Yes. There you go. Interesting. I guess yeah. because Homestuck is a comic, and that, and that would be what... What is Homestuck? I actually, that is... An, okay. <laughs> Listeners, if do not answer, please. Like, I would love for people to start, but leave leave our Twitter alone, please. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, add our Twitter. Act, yeah. please, 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 we need ads. Yeah, uh, and favorites and retweets. 
So, I was talking to Trilogy about this earlier, too, because I mentioned Homestar Runner. How, By and large, Homestar Runner has aged pretty well. If you go back to Newgrounds circa 2003, sure. it's going to be a minefield of casual and not-so-casual homophobia and racism. Oh, no. Newgrounds. <laughs> oh, I'm thinking of where people would consume animated content sure, back sure, in sure. 2003. No, good point. Newgrounds and E-Bombs world, for sure. Yeah, I was wondering how the early seasons of Red vs. Blue hold up. Because I, even back then, I would go to Halo Land Party, and, you know, people would say some lines from the show, but I never actually interacted one-on-one with it, personally. Uh one question I wanted to ask you guys, uh, just because it was something I included in my history notes. Uh, Rooster Teeth, of course, didn't just do Machinima. They've also always been doing uh, live action stuff. And Have war- they published any games? Uh, well, there is a Ruby game uh, that they, I think they actually published themselves, maybe. I, I didn't really pay too much attention to it because my, um, I, I, I don't know, I just can't focus on things that say Ruby. Uh, and but one of the things I wanted to ask was, do you remember the uh, Gus Sorrell, who's one of the original Rooster Teeth founders, uh, did a parody of Apple's Think Different campaign where he made fun of the Mac platform for lacking games. I don't know if you guys do you guys remember that parody? No. He, he would try to name games on the platform, and it would be like, and one of the punchlines was like Photoshop. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, which no, I, I always remembered. I mean, that rings a bell, but I, I don't know if I I can uh, name one of those off the top of my right. head in the same way that, um, like, uh, uh, like I was familiar with Red versus Blue, but I always assumed that it was a. So I I will say okay, so I'm, I'm gonna you know just keep moving because I don't want to dwell on the history for too too long. Mm. But one of I di- I didn't think that any of the co-founders were really involved in this series because for the most part, the creative mind, the writer and director of the series that we're going to be focusing on is Gray Haddock. Gray Haddock, yep. Uh, Gray Haddock is uh, someone who's been a voice actor, I think, since the 90s. Uh, An interesting voice credit for him, for us, is that he was an English voice actor in the Zone of the Enders, the I, Dolores dub. Yes. And his character name, I don't know anything about this series, but his character name was Basilico Basilisk. Yes. (laughs) Which is a phenomenal name. Quattro Bagina. Yeah. It's an incredible name. Sylvia Noventa. And what's the third one now? Oh, Basilico Basilisk? Yeah. No, Basilico Basilisk. Very good. But it seems like, uh, you know, the creative mind really, really behind Genlock. But I will say, I do believe the... um, the tall, doofy uh, I'm, Strider pilot, the one that, that Miranda keeps telling to shut up. Oh, yes. I yes. think that is Matt Jody. Holm. Yeah, I think that's Jody. Matt Holm, who is one of the co-founders. I think oh, he is right. doing that, that, that bit that. role. Yep, yep, yep. I mean, besides the main voice cast, a lot of the people on this show are, you know, understandably longtime Rooster Teeth people. You know, a lot of them have did roles in Ruby, uh, certainly Grey Haddock in addition to doing various animation work and other things on Ruby did come to do a, uh, a voice role. Um, and so, you know, I cover that again, gray haddock, I think is going to be the person that we'll be talking about. Genlock is the first rooster teeth production to use SAG after actors, which is why it's such a big step up right. in terms of voice talent. And of course the, the main person, uh, who is leading this, and also his own production companies on top of this is Michael B. Jordan, who, uh, you know, I think right, right now, I think of Michael B. Jordan, I think of Black Panther mm-hmm. and Creed. Creed yep. Yeah, those are the two big ones. Did, uh, Ignis, did you know that he was, uh, he had done Justice League? Uh, oh, you mean Flashpoint Paradox? He was Cyborg in Flashpoint Paradox. Oh, I didn't know he was the voice of that Cyborg yeah. in Flashpoint Paradox right. movie. Flashpoint Paradox is not very good. But no. the... the uh, <laughs> Well, okay. Yeah. So, um, what I mean by that is that the the overall that particular animated film is a fine action animated film that covers the events of the Flashpoint Paradox. Well, mm-hmm. uh, Flashpoint Paradox was a weird 
it's uh, it's a whole thing. When I'll, I'll tell you about it on my comic book podcast, uh, comic. Comic coming combinations. Common, okay. Yeah. All right. So that sounds good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's bad. No. <laughs> uh, also, Michael B. Jordan, a <laughs> a known nerd, uh, does have several uh, uh, video game credits, and his biggest video game credit uh, was a a role in Gears of War three. I've only played the first two, so I don't know how big his role as Jace Stratton Can't speak is. to that either. Nope. Uh, but that's cool. Uh, and then next one is Dakota Fanning, you know, longtime actor uh, who seems to have made the transition, uh, the the dangerous, perilous transition from successful child actor to successful adult. Uh, right. Credits to her. Uh, she was. That's yeah. right. I yeah, 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 yeah. War of the Worlds. Right. I War actually, of the Worlds. I yep. dig the Spielberg film. I like she, it. She also did a dub in uh, for the English dub of Totoro. Was she that the was, first yes. dub or the second dub? I, I could not tell dub. you. I second dub. Oh wait, she wasn't alive during the. Well, she was alive but very young. I yeah. imagine it was the second. Yeah. Dub. Uh, and then, of course, she was uh, Coraline in the Coraline movie, but she also did do the voice work for the uh, Coraline video games, which are apparently really hard. <laughs> That's interesting. I uh, did not did not know Talk that. Talk about that Sekiro discourse. That's right, where is right. That, yeah. Where's that Coraline yeah, Where's that Coraline yeah, Where's the Coraline easy mode? Please. Maisie Williams, who uh, you know, I think we know best for her debut role, which was Arya Stark in Game of Thrones. Sure. Uh, apparently, she was in two episodes of Robot Chicken. Credit to her. Okay. I always got to respect that. Uh, maybe Ignis. Uh, I know you have watched and consumed more uh, JP voice tracks than I have. Uh-huh. Uh, I was looking over uh, Koichi Yamadera's uh, uh, catalog yeah, of he's roles. A big, he's a monster. It he's a like. big deal. Yeah, he's he's done quite a few things. Yeah, he is. Uh, so some of the things I have written down in terms of roles that I noticed: uh, Spike Spiegel, yep, that's the biggest Beerus, uh, Tokusa, the official Japanese voice of Donald Duck. Excellent. Uh, the Japanese voice of Albedo from Xenosaga. Excellent. Japanese voice of Joel from The Last of Us. Mm-hmm. And then many, many other roles. Cool, uh, cool. He is a big, big boy. Um, another one I thought was really cool. I, I am not as much as, as a film belf as I would probably like to pretend to be. Uh, the uh, the actress uh, Golshifta Farahani, Iranian actress, uh, has many notable film roles, including. I a- read this at first. Jim Jarmusch, Pirates <laughs> of the Caribbean, Dead Man Tell No Tales. I was like, what? So I included two credits. One was a Jim Jarmusch film. The other was the most recent Pirates of the Caribbean, in which apparently she was like the evil sea witch or whatever. That's right. She wasn't. I really want to see Patterson. Ig- Ignis is making a face at me right now because it's becoming sort of a meme on the on the podcast to uh, to browbeat Ignis about Jim Jarmusch films and whether or not something is a Jim Jarmusch film. It's so fucking weird how it keeps coming Save up. Save that for Ignis's next podcast series. Yeah, yeah. Jim Jarmusch. Jarmushination. Yeah, there we go. Uh, that actually sounds... That doesn't sound that bad. Yeah, I'll invite Kyle um, Colgren and he'll help me. One of the things you also notice about this, one of the things that's really cool about Genlock is that it is explicitly completely committed to uh, diversity. Yes. Uh, and the diversity I mentioned so far, of course, is both, um, uh, you know, ethnic and, uh, uh, you know, but also does gender diversity and not just men and women. Um, Asia Kate Dillon, a, a well known. Uh, non-binary actor uh, they've done roles such as you know TV show Orange is the New Black Billions uh, those are the major ones that I saw but also cool my understanding I, I don't think we've, we're going to discuss it now in the first two episodes my understanding is that some of that gender fluidity is going to show up uh, expressed explicitly in the show and I'm you know curious to, yeah. to see that I'm going to talk about it more later it's mm-hmm. going to come into play when we discuss the, the other Genlock trainees that we meet in mm-hmm. the second episode but uh, yeah we'll get to it yeah 
Uh, next, the course is uh, David Tennant, who I think most people would recognize as the bad guy from Gobble of Fire. I was going to say Tenth Doctor, but you're right. Harry was, Potter's bigger. I was making a goof action. Yeah. Yeah. I was okay. actually going to go right to that. Yeah, though. I was. Yeah. I was. I mean, look. I'll tell you, my favorite David Tennant role is as the propaganda minister in Just Cause Three. <laughs> So, you know, so, don't at me. I probably, uh, I'm probably the one here who can speak to Doctor Who, right? I don't yes. think. I believe so, yeah. Uh, so the 10th Doctor is, is well-loved. Yeah. Uh, he, you know, Eccleston, who who preceded him, is, I, I think, one of the stronger reboot Doctors. But Tenet really found the, like, pathos. Like, he's definitely, like, pathos Doctor. Like, I think the the thing that best sums up his Doctor is the gift that I'm sure everyone here has seen, which is that David Tennant standing sadly in the rain that gif is is his run on the doctor and he he's good i i think that people like many things people in hindsight i kind of feel like he he got too much credit just because he was kind of a whoopee and people loved david mm-hmm. tennis's sweet mm-hmm. face yeah. and his funny accent but you know if you go back and watch those there's some solid fucking sci-fi and those portions of the show i really like the showrunner at that time um, this was before Moffat. This was uh, the other guy whose name I don't know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's good. Is it true that there is a tw- a recent production of DuckTales in which he is Scrooge McDuck? That is true. He's okay. excellent. Oh, he's cool. He, I that, heard good things about the yeah. review. That show is good, and his Scrooge is a delight. Mm. There's so many things that are good about that show, but his his Scrooge is very cool. good. Cool. Uh, so a few more to get here. Uh, the uh, the oh my goodness, I forget her rank. I keep thinking. I just call her the general in my mind because whatever the army leader is, I always just think of as the general. Oh as sure, a yeah. colonel. Uh, she's the colonel. Yeah. Uh, Monica Real, a veteran anime voice actor. Uh, she has a, a ton of stuff. She's been Bulma recently in a lot of those productions. I was going to say Bulma's probably her biggest. Bulma's the yeah. biggest one. Uh, she's also been in video game credits included. I had to include she's, un- she's Unlimited Saga. conventions she for, I'm yeah. sure, signatures of Fire their Fire Echoes, Borderlands 2, Smite, uh, things like that. So, yeah. And then, of course, some other... The other two ones I noticed. I already noted Matt Hollum, who is one of the Rooster Teeth co-founders. Uh, the the old grizzled Strider pilot, uh, with like the longer hair and lots of scars on his face. Like there's three Strider pilots, right? There's Miranda, the one that I think is Matt Holm, and then the older one who's like the the dad. That dad one is Gray Haddock. Okay, sure. And then uh, and are then, the Striders the Stomp Mechs? Yeah, they're, the, what they're they like called. The, I I think of them as like the super Western looking Mechs. Yeah, like the Mech Warrior. They're mechs. the Stompy Stomp Mechs. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the last one, I don't think we have seen him yet in episodes one and two, but I, I think we're all big pro ZD fans, uh, Song One Show. Oh, excellent. And yes. He nice. is, wait. He is in this show. Motherfucking I, Mike Wazowski. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. Um, the only other funny thing, uh, and I had included this as, as, a, as a link, was there, uh, there was like a five minute uh, Grey Haddock talks to Michael B. Jordan about anime. Mm-hmm. And they do mention Gundam Wing and Michael B. Jordan, of course, talks about the endless waltz scene where hero is like nah i got you it's it's crazy how well he remembers that scene too it's it speaks to honestly how effective endless waltz is in that moment because i do think that's what most people think of is is hero threatening that invincible bunker which turns out to be not that invincible yeah no indeed indeed spoilers i guess spoilers <laughs> good times roll am i right what uh speaking of uh spoilers uh ignis yes would you like to uh, now transition us into a discussion? Oh, so one of the ways that we structure things here on Mechanations is that typically we will do a nice uh, summary 
uh, with some extra spice and everything nice. Uh, and I believe Ignis will give us our episodes one and two summary now. That's right. We typically start with a summary of the episode and we lead into our discussion with that summary. Uh, the first episode of Genlock is called Pilot Episode. <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> it is New York in the year 20XX, actually 2068. We check in on Julian Chase introducing his family to his long-term serious girlfriend, Miranda. <laughs> Julian and Miranda serve in the Vanguard and are visiting via Skype. Julian's family seems to approve of Miranda and vibe well with Julian. Everything changes, however, when the Union Nation attacks. The Vanguard mobilizes some future jets and stompy mechs, and Julian and Miranda have an extremely loaded moment. In the Battle of New York, not the Avengers one, the Union unleash hell with infantry, hacking guns, gigantic loaded imagery crawler mechs, and nanomachines. The battle goes to... uh, Blah, 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 blah. The battle goes poorly, and the Vanguard are eventually ordered to retreat. Julian, desperate to save his family in New York, sacrifices himself in an attempt to buy the Vanguard, and possibly his family, time. Four years later, 4,000 years later, Miranda and the Vanguard go on a mission to help ferry refugees fleeing from the Union. In the battle, some mysterious mechs are able to come to the Vanguard's aid, and one of them seemingly piloted by someone who sounds like Julian. Upon returning to the base, the Vanguard question the recently arrived ESU, who reveal a hologram of Chase, seemingly alive. Which leads us into Genlock 2. There's always tomorrow. Chase is a ghost! Well, not really. It turns out ESU sought him out after his crash due to his special eyes, his special physiology which allows him to genlock and project his mind digitally onto a mech called a Holon. These genlock-capable pilots will be training with the Vanguard for a short period. Uh, Miguel, one of Chase's friends, meets with Chase in his Bakta tank and discovers that he will, they will likely not be able to heal Chase to the point where his body will be able to leave the tank due to the damage caused by the Union nanomachines. Meanwhile, the genlock trainees arrive, including McLeod, Sinclair, Valentina, and Ida. They learn that they have to pass one last test before entering into the program for real. Chase and Miranda have their first reunion since the reveal that Chase is alive, but they both have mixed up feelings about all the circumstances, and the moment isn't quite right to work them all out. Miranda leaves after saying something admittedly deeply cruel. When the trainees arrive, members of the Vanguard detect a Union spy and mobilize to confront the spy among them. Madrani assumes they mean her because she is originally from the Union, but it turns out they mean Sinclair. Sinclair, fitted for his dope-ass Super Sentai suit, is able to break free from the guards and the other unprepared trainees and takes the Doctor hostage. He attempts to steal a Holon, but as previously established in the episode, Genlock requires special eyes, and Sinclair seems to get brain blasted. The Doctor seems jazzed by it. Oh no, I, I, David the rope. Yeah, we'll get to it. But his his eagerness when, when he realizes like what the, what's going on, he's like, oh no, we're gonna feed this yeah, guy to a blender. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Strap him into the machine. Yeah, we'll get it. We'll get there for sure. But I have questions about that bit. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, that's uh, Genlock episodes one and two. Uh, you know, uh, just to start us out, PMC, I wanted to ask you about the choice of our introductory song, mm-hmm. um, Let the Good Times Roll. Do you know anything about this song, or is there anything in particular you think that, that adds to the text being given to us here with this song? I don't think so. This is actually, so this is a, a research goof of mine, because I wanted to, to look at more of the song, but just even as sort of um, a, a surface level, uh, a peek at it, I... <sighs> 
Because those brass horns. Mm. Yeah, no, I think the what's interesting about it, too, in that opening uh, set of shots that we get of New York City and specifically uh, the, the family dwelling, or the Chase family dwelling, we get a lot of... Uh, visual storytelling, the the instruments, the what's cl- I assume is his father playing an instrument, uh, the police officer pictures, things like that. I think what we very much get is the the picture of uh, you know tradition and a, and, a, and a sort of a you know a, a family that both works and plays. I I also think we are um, meant to because I think one of the things about this intro because I think it's a really weird intro I'll be honest uh, I, I think it's a weird way to start our show but I think it accomplishes the goal of of grounding Chase uh, because it, it introduces us to his relationship to music right he he connects to his family through music you know he he definitely feels the same way his father feel or is it is hinted at that he feels similarly towards that song that you know it makes him think of his father who he seems to feel positively about we can infer through this song Mm -hmm. steven do you feel like that's that's a fair shake yeah it also suggests that while we're in the future we're not too far in the future yeah 2068 i believe is what it says Uh, so 50 50 years from i assume when they started production on right i mean it's when they finally figure out vr it's 50 years from now (laughs) we we do cut to julian's sister and he's she's um she's streaming just dance uh, 2068 i was gonna say like so it's some kind of i assume it's like a mix of in, in the way that people do like role play gta streams right now well wait wait um, wait wait is the is the audience other people or is the audience just i assume the audience was other people because i just assumed it was just dance and it was just like a made-up audience you know? oh see that's fair i mean it could totally could have been that I, I i actually took her for a word when she was talking about her audience but it, it could have just been right. totally just been that. I, I assumed that she could have possibly been some kind of young teenage influencer. Maybe it's Stadia and they're just jumping in her game in 2068. Oh, jeez. <laughs> anyway, uh, so, you know, um, all three of us here are <laughs> yeah. in long-term committed relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have had the uh, the experience of introducing our partner to the family. I swear, I, I don't know if... I, I can't imagine any of you, I, I, of the three of us, only Stephen here is is, is married, uh, and I can't imagine... Happily, might I add. Yeah. <laughs> Stay back, ladies. <laughs> um, I don't know if... Um, I can't imagine, Stephen, that your partner, when introduced to your parents, was like, I'm going to make a joke about marrying you, because... <laughs> Wait, is it, I thought it was the the sibling. Who it was the there, sibling. Right? Yeah. It was the sibling who right. set up Miranda for that shot. Right. It's still a weird. Can shot. I can I say how like deeply disappointed I am in in the writing that no one her last name is Worth. Yeah, no one makes an is she worth it joke. It, like what 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 are you doing? I the other thing I'll say too is that <laughs> it 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 takes a while for Miranda to, to get named. Also, mm, like yeah. I, I don't think we get Miranda's name until after the Hall of Skype call, which is weird. Um, I could be wrong. I, yeah. I, I definitely, in the process of getting, doing my note watch, I was annoyed at how long it was taking to get to Miranda's yeah. name. Speaking of Miranda's name, there's a weird Shakespeare of the Tempest. Uh, because my lit senses were tingling because mm. Caliban as well, but uh, I haven't actually done anything with that yet. Well, so it's it's really weird to, I, I guess, I'll get to this when we get to the robot, because I have something to say about that, too. Um, the one other thing I, I think might be Holoskype is cool. worth noting here. Yeah, I mean, the Holoskype stuff gets gets set up. Which is 
weird to me. I think one of the things um, this this show in the first two episodes does a lot of mechanical uh, Sanderson type exposition and payoff yeah. of various reasons and things and and whatnot. And the one thing that I would be curious to see is it's it sets up the holoscope mm-hmm. uh and and the thing that i want to know is that like why isn't just like everyone doing this constantly like why aren't we in in the year 2018 or 2019 we don't answer our phones anymore because we are bombarded with robocalls yeah and like why not just like spam skype hollow skype is a military tactic oh, like, you know like it's just right. one of those things where i'm thinking like you know because it, it comes up in the second episode where where julian distracts uh not ranger sinclair, yeah. yeah not sinclair uh and it's like oh this works like you know you're you, what you know there isn't like a, a readily available countermeasure for it and well, I'm taking it to an extreme. Sure. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I agree, though. I wonder if there is some kind of equivalent. Right. Where, like every once in a while, Microsoft Sam shows up and is like, hey, do you want a trip to the Bahamas? And it's like, fuck off. And yeah. I, 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 the only thing I would say probably, because it's worth noting that the circumstances of Chase's uh, holographic form in episode two, I assume works differently than it's true your skype call yeah. would i would hope right because <laughs> like, we, we see at the end of the hollow call that both he and miranda are taking off your vr headband sure yes you know yes. when they finish up there um so julian's mom seems nice seems like an empathetic sort of you know someone that, that you could infer is easy for our main character to have a positive relationship with that seems to be what we're, we're communicating in this first episode whereas like his relationship to his sister is positive but adversarial. Yeah. Like, you, you could tell that we were meant to pick up affection in their interaction, even though it's, like, right, not explicitly affection. Yeah, Haddock's leading on some well-worn tropes here. That's not a criticism, but no. the relationship, you know, the daughter, the uh, sister-brother relationship, affectionate but occasionally combative. I, I, Especially I, the fact that his cop's a dad, too, is a pretty well-worn trope. It's a lot of... Um, uh, uh, and and even the our intro story about the using the cookie on the actual wound itself and misunderstanding your your you know bodily autonomy is is a good setup. Like that's such a like how do I put this without being like uh uh it's a good first sentence on your sci-fi draft. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like it, it's it's not it's not bad. I liked it. It worked. Uh, it worked for me. I understood what was being set up there, but it, it made me like. <laughs> Yeah, it, I, I like all this the setup. I think the, the the bones are fine. I just you know just a little more a little more connective tissue. Do you think because I, one of my struggles here is that even though we 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 get the stakes for Chase here, this is what's happening right now is we're introducing the stakes for Chase, which is his good good family that live in New York and his longtime serious time girlfriend Miranda. Um, who is Chase? That is maybe my biggest problem in these two episodes. His other name's Mary Sue. It's it's uh, he doesn't have any like quirks or eccentricities, do, right? Do you like, think he's vanilla? Do you think this is? And I, the reason I bring this up now is because I think this is a bigger issue with the structure rather than a problem with the writing necessarily. The first time I watched this, I was like, I 
this is really, really pragmatic, straight to the point writing. And I don't know if I like it. All right. It. So I have one note about the writing. I was going to bring it up a little later, but mm. I'll bring it up yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was telling PMC earlier that there seems to be a first draft approach to, or a first draft feeling, even with the line delivery, as if they just took the first take from everyone. The, there are awkward, it's not very naturalistic read. I'm not even touching the writing here. I'm touching more, I'm not even touching the voice actors, more the direction they were direction, given. Direction, yeah. There's awkward pauses between lines. Sometimes they don't let lines sit or linger, or they jump right into the joke. Like, if we were having a conversation, let's say Ignis and I are having a conversation, just ask me how my day is. How's your day is? My day was good, and yeah. I might have a zinger after that, too, but there's a very stilted quality to it, uh, so, which isn't helped by the animation frames, either. I don't want to rag on the animation too much, but... What was... You know, it was weird to me. I, I know the there's a lot of thoughts about animation and quality of animation in the year of our Lord 2019. Sure. Uh, having recently watched uh, Dragon Pins uh, season one and two, uh, season one, I think season two has improved, but season one definitely had a lot of criticism, I think, for for frames and the animation mm-hmm. of Dragon Prince. Here, what was weird to me about Genlock is that when the show's moving, it looks great. Yes. And then, but it doesn't handle slow movements very well. So, well, this is what I was going to say about, like, this is an odd way to start the show, because... It, it, it does serve a very particular narrative purpose, but it also the first thing we see is a lot of stiffness. Right. And we're and it, we're introduced to the show with most of its weaknesses right up front, which is that it looks bad when it's standing still like not awful, but not it, it it's serviceable. Yes. Yeah, serviceable is correct. The dialogue is fine. It's sometimes too saccharine or sometimes too plain. It's you know, what or I, it's sometimes it's yeah. trying to. I have, I have a lot. All right, I don't. I don't think the show lands its humor. I think it's trying too hard with its humor, specifically through Tennant's character. But I'll get to that later. But See, I, yeah, we, we, we'll come to that. I think the one thing that I want to point out too, especially as we get out of the the VR section and we return to the base before everything goes to shit right, before the Fire Nation. Attacks. One of the things <laughs> that they're trying to establish is the rapport between our main character Chase and the mechanic Migus. Yes, and. That is maybe the relationship I'm like least sold on. Like that, like for me, needs to work because it's important, right? It's it's important as the relationship that comes back online immediately as a support system for Chase. Like one, because obviously, you know, the Miranda Chase stuff is still going to be getting worked out in episode two, which is fine. Right. It's a traumatic thing, and, right. I'm, and I'm almost glad it needs working out. I agree. And but you know but Chase Yamigas is that friend who's like hey I'm gonna be right there and like I'm glad that relationship is there you know men bonding sharing their feelings is important uh, but like oh it doesn't it just doesn't like when they talk about siege here and then they talk about siege again in episode two as like the way that they would automatically reconnect right and I'm oh, like I am not sold on no this. it's stiff too it's stiff, like yeah. even if you're working a job and your coworkers become your friends you develop little quirks with one another inside baseball they don't have it they're Especially this group of soldiers, they wouldn't be incredibly friendly with one another. They have their own inside jokes, and none of that bleeds. Yeah, through. the um, I would say also with with uh, Miranda and uh, the guy who I think is Matt Holm. I need yeah, to actually look tall up his guy. Name. Who cares? Tall guy. Tall guy. Tall geese. <laughs> yeah, tall geese. Um, Short ribs. Uh, he <laughs> just about to say that. 
like that's another rapport that is closer to working than Migas and Chase, but still doesn't really function. So this is why I wanted to bring this up here so we can kind of just just move past this yeah. because I think this is going to be a recurring thing. Or I hope not, but I think Well, it I will. think we're going to discuss whether or not these relationships work because that's a prime interest of ours. Right. I, I wonder how much of this has to do with structure. That has to do with they knew they had eight episodes and they needed to get XYZ done. Do you I'm, see what I'm saying? I'm curious yeah, like, if they recorded remotely as well. They're based in Texas, right? Mm, yes. Or I, I don't think David Tennant went down to Texas. Now, most voice Looking actors... for a soul to steal? <laughs> most voice... Let's say an episode of Bob's Burgers, for example. Sure. H. John Benjamin's not always recording with his cast members. He's often recording alone. But he's a skilled voice actor. Right. And he can develop, de- deliver a naturalistic read and also anticipate what the other voice actors will be doing. I don't really find that here. And I, it's almost like... Literally, most voice actors work in a vacuum. It's usually themselves yeah. and the, whoever's directing. And the director, yeah. But in, it also feels like the show, the characters are speaking in a vacuum, as if there's no one else around them at times. So, I, I won- at times, I wondered about that because that's something that I I know I have a hard time discerning because uh, you know, as someone who I think in on our last episode, you talked about how. You're not as interested in the PlayStation 2 style of JRPG storytelling that tended to include very long cutscenes. I love that shit. Ig- Ignis is like erecting a large set of Las Vegas strip style billboards that are all pointing to him. Pointing to me. Yes, exactly. Yes, that's great. That's um, what's going on. So for me, I'm so because that's how you you voice act in a video game, mm-hmm. right? You, like you get your voice actor in. He has. Six million lines to read, um, you know, uh, and then he has to sign the NDA saying that he's not allowed to talk about any of it. Um, and the director probably has the context for most of the lines. I, I actually don't know how that works behind the scene. Full disclosure, I truly don't know. I don't mean to sound dismissive there. The thing about this particular show for me is that it, I, I want to, so many times I want to give it the benefit of the doubt. You'll, you'll see in my notes there are times where like episode two starts with a line that makes me want to die, but uh, I, I I have a moment there where I'm like I don't know why I don't want to give the show the credit here, um, but I, I agree with you, Stephen Hero, that there's missing connective tissue that is. This would also have. I think the world building sucks. I'm just gonna flat out say. Oh, it's it's awful. And. That would have helped the show so much. Yeah. There's a hollow quality that permeates well, at least so the first two episodes. Yeah, let's get to, I would say, let, let us like uh, push us along to the attack starts. Yeah. So, And with the attack starting, I think there's uh, two things that we, we can talk about. One is a fun thing. Uh, I'll, I'll ask a fun thing. We need a fun thing. How do you guys feel about the, the Striders, the little Walker Stomp Stomp X? Good, right? It's serviceable. Do I serviceable. Like Mech Warrior mechs, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. A little uninspired. But yeah, they're pretty vanilla. I like Though them. I come in with inherent bias, too, where I find right. most Western mechs a little uninspired. Okay. I So, I don't mean to keep mm-hmm, mm-hmm. putting us into, uh, you know, little alcoves of conversation here. Yes. Um, do you guys feel like the aesthetic has too many yes. obvious antecedents do you think that it's because the the so i okay when you when you say obvious antecedents the aesthetic has it you mean that the uh each of the different things that we see like like the striders or the the unions uh uh, spider majiggers yeah or uh even the big walker yeah 
those are obviously pulling, I think, from separate source materials in a very obvious way. Is that kind of what you're getting at? I'll give you another example that pulls it off a little better, I think. It's Pacific Rim. You could tell Guillermo del Toro is pulling from a wide history of different Right, for, for each of those. And Pacific Rim has its own problems, too, but the world feels lived in mm-hmm. and slightly more unique than the show. So, I don't... This... I think your ability to enjoy this is on a sliding scale. I don't think this is a bar negative. Yeah. I, I don't. Um, the outfits have a clear Mass Effect sort of... Uh, even the, the body armor is Mass Effect-y. The commander armor, uh, outfits are Mass Effect-y. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The walkers are very Metal Gear uh, in, in, a, in a fine way. All of this is fine. Yeah. When you talk about stories in general, it's all been done. That the fact that it yeah that's not an inherent criticism. That is not an inherent criticism. I mean, folks, like Halo is wonderful, and Halo is exactly a send up of mixing other things, but it's executed very well. Exactly what we care about. I I was concerned in this case because, and we didn't we didn't talk about this too much, but um, Rooster Teeth has some context when it comes to borrowing. The visual language of things in in order to use in their stuff, and they've previously shown a blasé attitude towards that. And I was just wondering that was in my brain. That's hard for me to let go of when it comes to this stuff. You're, you're answer, talking about Ruby, right? Yes, I'm okay. talking specifically about Ruby. But in to answer your question, the Stompy Mechs are fine. Yeah, I, I I enjoyed their the the visual language of them seeming less elegant than the Union. Okay. Right? The elegant, the union seems like techno hell, right? Right. Like they seem like. So I, could, I kept thinking of uh, Killzone with the union mm. soldiers. Oh, yeah, the yeah, yeah, looks yeah. like that for it's sure. Right. So, so now we, one of the things we discussed is our, our issues with being introduced to the conflict, the stakes of the conflict, and of the world building. And now, in the sort of next set of scenes, we get a lot of information about the union most of that information is presented to us in terms of their uh capacity to wage warfare drone warfare nanomachines hacking uh uh, spider tanks and the one thing i did want to touch on probably what i thought was the closest we got to interesting thoughts about the union was the uh, apparently the union hacked billboards in New York City to display propaganda? There's a uh, a scene where it says, "We can lead the world without compromise." Hashtag Union of the Fourth. Right. Uh, did you guys have a take on that, or because like I wanted more of that because we we need more to understand. We have, we don't know anything about right now. All we get is the the mechs the technology that the polity is using our good guy side yes the polity looks like things that we are familiar with as good guy things yes yes mm-hmm. our yes. standard yes. mech warrior mechs our standard uh humanoid mechs that we get introduced to our halons our standard cool jet fighters the jet fighters was yeah very very you know whereas like swarms of drones swarms of nanomachines spiders with eight legs right, black those black you yeah. know faceless uh soldier masks right those are bad guy things it's bad guy signifiers and right. That, like, hacking is a bad guy thing, you know? Because I think, um, I'm just going to say it, lay this out right now as an example. Uh, when the hacking thing happened, and of course, 
I know that like the number one exposition reason is to set up the necessity of the hala. Right. The necessity of putting a human brain in a mech is because the robots, which the, the polity has, are super effective, but they can be hacked. How right. do you stop that? You put a human mind in it. Right. But couldn't the hacking also be reflective of the flavor of the union? And like maybe, but only insofar as everything else, we, the nanomachines is reflective. Of we the really union. needed more con. So I, even though the show starts out with the family get together, it's really an in media rest first episode. We just begin right with the battle for the most part. I think that hurts the show overall. I really feel like they wanted badly to not have a opening crawl or opening narration mm. of some kind because all of these problems would be addressed by opening narration of some kind. The year is 2050. There, There's a new power in the United States, the unity of the fourth party, parody, or whatever the fuck they're called. Like, they, they, it really would have... But I can see why they don't... Like, they, they, they wanted to start on this character level because, I mean, you know... We're only two episodes in, but I think it's fair to say that like sense of self is a primary concern of this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I think uh, self-identification matters, and so we need to set the stakes for Chase. That is the, m- the most important thing to do in episode one. It's just too bad that episode one is so long compared to episode two, and it's largely for the action, which yeah. is like... Good, fun. It's all. It's good. It's yeah. good. It's serviceable. I, I think a lot of the jet fighter action back, was yeah. very fun. You know, there's a lot of whiplash shots. The jet fighter stuff is yeah, all cool I think, and fun. I know? mean, to piggyback off of what you were saying, PMC, I, I do think that the the union's hacking guns are sort of a, a, another signifier for what we should identify the union as, which is this like superseding of. Yeah, like individualism of some kind. Right, Union also has Union at this point, both in episode one and two, uh, we get a small dosage of insider spy, the guy who flashes his badge and his wife is like, you fucking did what, mate? I have lots of questions about that that <laughs> the show did not care to go into. No. Which is like... Is was he a traitor or is he someone who's right. just from the union? I who? read it as a, like a loyalist. That's what I thought. Like, right. I don't know the Revolutionary War, for example. Some you kind had of an American loyalist. Yeah, and the the fact that I agree, the wife totally is like, wait, part what? of kiss Bob? Say? Yeah, Bob? yeah, totally. Um, it, and it's you know that was a, another thing. Like uh, later we'll get to the refugee. Uh, you know what? Okay, I'll just move. I on have to that. thoughts. Yeah. Um, uh, did you have more thoughts about no, the insider? I will say though, and I don't want to keep saying like the show's fucking hollow. The show's fucking hollow. But during some of the battle scenes too, we have you know I don't know how many people are in New York City in the year 2068, but there was like t- only 20 people walking down. It felt that I mean hundreds of crowds walking down the street are fleeing from these invading forces. I mean, by, by 2068, real estate's going to be so expensive <laughs> that, like, you know, only so much of the population can afford to live in New York City. Until the the giant walker, which I think yeah. does do an excellent job of demonstrating the technological difference between the union and yeah. the parody, or the polity, rather. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know, I called them <laughs> No, it, it's fair. Parody is a funny word for me. Um, uh, I was unclear as to what the technological difference was until we got that huge walker, which to me is like, oh, okay. It reminds me of like Big Zom or yeah, whatever, yeah. like where, or, or the one from Await the Mess team, mm-hmm. uh, the, that mobile armor. Yeah, I can't remember what right. that one is called, but it, that, that was. <laughs> I always think of it as the Silt Strider, but yeah, that's Morrowind. I don't, I don't think that's right. Um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I was like, okay, so that and the nanomachines are the fucking. Right. I mean, the nanomachines also get like. 
the, the other, I think the the most interesting bit of flavor with the nano machines is the fact that apparently I don't know if it's intentional or not are that they, like, they just eat all the grass. I, I was good. Are they flesh eating or yeah? Or like, like why do they eat Central Park? Well, do we know? So well, like we'll learn in episode two that the damage caused by the nano machines is what's preventing Chase from being, uh, you know let's say healed from something that happens we'll yeah. get into i guess we already talked about it but um it, and so i was like so well, i don't i you know i i wish because i get it they're chemical warfare like i, I get that yeah. aspect yeah. of it that it is a the line that the the polity is not willing to cross um or not able to right that's the um, most and that's well yeah and that's the most world building we're given right that the union is willing to cross lines that the polity won't cross right or at least that line, because least that line. the one guy is like, nanomachines, they've weaponized them. Fuck. So, you know, we, we progress through this attack. We see that the, you know, our various uh, uh, polity forces are doing fine, but but not holding back the advance. Uh, we, we get a classic uh, sort of um, Independence Day. I've got the last missile sacrifice situation happen where, yeah. where chase gets to use it it's an emp right right That's- yeah he does he does a, a maneuver where he like chucks the emp into the air and then uses his jet as a shield so they don't shoot the emp which again action is yeah fine that's cool it's cool, cool logic right? for yeah, that yeah, yeah yeah for yeah. sure it wasn't it wasn't just i'm gonna crash my jet in as the emp blows up it was you know it was a little more creative as an action scene right yeah. and and i think that they probably were really like looking hard to establish who the union are by their giant war of the worlds yeah, mech. yeah in terms of mechs. running uh, into the uh, uh, statue of liberty statue of liberty destructions the, where's that coming in your power rankings i feel like parasite eve the goo baby is still potentially my number one statue of liberty destruction but i just wanted to get a heat check on that uh so i just want to touch on the 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 showing us the the um uh engraving on mm, the statue of liberty yeah. before the destruction yeah, yeah. I, that that was a, a especially considering the emphasis on on diversity Insofar as diversity of the team, diversity of thought, diversity of yeah. you know uh, of ideas like that, that is significant for the show. And then to have the union be like, you know, it's very, very obvious, it, right? I mean, and maybe that is the thing that we could say is that they are without compromise means w- without diversity, right? It, it, maybe that's the connection we can make. What was the? Uh, you just asked me a question and I overwrote it with the. The question oh, the was top. a silly, goofy question yes. about a. a Power ranking for Statue of Liberty destruction. I think my favorite will have to be uh, the Ghostbusters two. Mm, that's uh, good. Yeah. The the possession of the the Statue of Liberty in order to combat Vigo's uh, 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 shield of misery. I'm trying to think of something that's not Independence Day that comes to mind that hasn't already been stated. No, not Independence Day. I was thinking that was Washington D.C. I don't know. No. Okay. Well, another yeah, one. Yeah. No. There's. there's I don't there's have plenty. any others. Uh, I mean, the biggest one would be Planet of the Apes, probably. Yeah. Uh, we don't oh, see yeah, that one yeah. destroyed, but I'll that's Planet right. of the Apes. Yeah, that's okay. the the All most right. iconic. Yeah. You know, no, definitely. No, you I blew I, it up. Yeah. You Damn. know. They really did it. Yeah. Oh no, Chlorophyll. 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 Oh, there sure, you go. sure, 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 sure. Yeah, I also love one. Chlorophyll. Yeah. If they, oh fuck, if there was just a mech in there, we could use. Right. <laughs> yeah. Just a. Is the Statue of Liberty a mech? Not. Is John but... Goodman a mech in Cloverfield Lane? I love Wait, Cloverfield does, Lane. Is, does Bioshock Infinite have mechs? Both sides infinite. Well, because of the well, they're not oh, they're not piloted. Yeah. Are there piloted ones? Well, well there's the I mean the FN can, George Washington is, is thing. Songbird I, piloted. I mean, I was is that gonna, spoilers? I don't know if. It's, uh, <laughs> 
this might be a question we need to answer in Genlock is the problem. Okay. Do you know what I'm saying? Because, oh, are th- oh, are the robots piloted? Because well, well, so because mm. if I'm if we describe the Holons as piloted yeah. in Genlock, I don't see why the Big Daddies wouldn't be piloted. In in well, there are. The- bodies in the big daddies aren't there right we but, discover that in bioshock 2 which is absolutely canon i will fight you to death but how big of a again this might be a question we're going to get to get mm, to yeah. and, but how big of a difference does that make if the brain's still in there if, if what we're moving into the hall on is just the brain wouldn't the big daddy be the same thing except the meat is all in there as yeah, well except, yeah we pack the juices in as yeah. well <laughs> I wish the audience could see Steven's nodding face. Steven nods knowingly. <laughs> yeah. um, so, moving on. Um, okay. Chase Chase sacrifices himself yeah. for the Battle of New York. Um, what? It, I, I guess they lost, right? Like, even despite this? Right, because, well, at the beginning of that, like, the... the there is a scene I want to highlight before we get there, too. Yeah. Oh. It's, it pauses the man in the wheelchair in the apartment that locks eyes with Chase. Yeah. All right. I saw this, this, the show lingered on that for one too many moments. Not that it's a problem, but it signifies. What? How's your read on? What's your read? I think my read on it was. I, I think it really had to do with just showing us the relationship between the the union and and Chase specifically. I'm not the union, the polity, and and Chase to to like regular people, right? Because. The other big thing that we get from the Union in terms of establishing them as bad guys is that they just shot some civilian evacuation ships, right? Right. They just blew that shit up. And so um, and so as we talk about this more, I'm feeling more and more confident in uh, – in, again, maybe this is – I feel like it shouldn't be this hard to make this connection, but that the, the Union is this – you know, homogenous will do anything to win power hungry force that wouldn't accommodate someone like the wheelchair guy mm. that is willing to blow evacuation ships to say, no, you're coming with us. Because also there's that one weird bit where, where like the the police officer gets like sucked into the underside of the, the spider mech. Remember, he gets like roped in like a like he's like an alien. Oh, uh, that scene. Yeah. What's up with that scene? Uh, well, so I, I is he getting harvested for parts or like what? Well, so like th- that was. My read on on this scene, I agree that that's weird, and and I I the my read on that scene is you know brings back that thing I was talking about where, um, the structure is such that we need to prioritize maybe what's going to be the emotional core of the story versus the sort of like rank and file the the normal things you would do to establish things in a story, mm-hmm. and I think we're just sneaking in a character beat. In, Same. in in order t- because we don't have time for them. It also like, signifies that Chase is a good guy. He's a flyboy. That was a flyboy move. Right. There's you a know, little like, bit of showing off there yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah for sure. He's a fucking flyboy. He's like, hey, man, he's fucking, you know, like, come on. <laughs> like, especially when every moment counts. Like, I, I I feel like that was just time to show off that, that you know, Chase will flex, you know, when given the opportunity that he's generally a good guy, good grounded sort of person who's good to his friends and, and is able to put away what he personally wants in order to spend time with people who matter to him, blah, blah, blah. You know, like, these are all... Like, I don't want to, to like, roll by all those things, which I think are are established and good and do tell you things about Chase. I will say that a, a lot of it is not, like, flavor, which I think is what we're missing out on. And this was a little bit of flavor. Yeah. A little tiny bit. I mean, it links them in, like, ideological resistance, right? It's a very communal move. Yeah. Plus, if you think about how Chase is debodied later on and the gentleman in the wheelchair as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, yeah. And we, you know, so often we talk about mechs, we talk about bodies. Right. 
enabling people who are not always physically able. Uh, yeah, weaponized hacking seems like uh, seems like something they were like. So I, my note here is in in the moment. You know, not to go back to weaponized mm, hacking. Yeah, um, I, I think that is an interesting bit, though. Um, I, I was just curious because the reaction to the the hacking seemed like really fast. Um, and and I imagine like this has happened before. They knew what to do. Well, that's what I was going to say. Is that they they had it even seemed like I wonder if that's how they they like unleash these robot combatants. It's like okay, one robot combatant also means three engineers, and the three engineers are combat trained. And the the meaning of that there is that two dudes need to hold down a robot while the third one takes out his floppy disk yeah, so that the right. robot doesn't get fucked. I would almost wonder because like. To me, that that's almost like a no go anymore. Like uh, we we can't use these anymore because <laughs> it, it's yeah. There's a severe risk it'll just turn around and murder all of us. Right. That seems like an issue. It's it's definitely. I, I don't know how much I want to because I, I did you read when you were doing your research the 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 point that one of the inspirations for this show was to to dig into what it would mean to get into a culture war. Did you see that phrase? When you did your research? No. Oh, man. So I don't know what Gray Haddock means when he says this. I don't actually know what that means. Oh, my. Um, And apparently the term for this conflict that we are digging into here that is started by this war or the Battle of New York here is called the Great Culture War. Oh. Um, And it seems important. I just don't know what that means in this show and i don't I'm, hopefully we'll find out well, yeah we just I, I, that, time. that sounds relevant all right i'm gonna bring this up now because okay. do it this shows kind of rah-rah american patriotism at times with the scenes with the new york police officers sure. and the fact that julian's yeah. dad's a cop oh, but then yeah. we, later we get on so clearly all right i'm gonna jump ahead a bit here with the refugees all right okay. we get the name for the refugee operations called coyote now of course coyote can be used as a general term but it's also hyper specific to north america so we're thinking about our current you know our ever pre- pre- ever present immigration conflict coyote also does refer to someone who crosses a border in order to deliver something well yeah that's true too but especially used in a north american context as well because coyotes in north america so if we think about a current you know immigration issues all right the brutality on the border the oppression on the border too now clearly the show takes especially with the show's emphasis on diversity the show definitely you know nudges us to be just in general probably more empathetic to people migrating from oppression or fleeing a political tumultuous political climate on the other hand too i do get the idea that i don't know the the show really valorizes cops for lack of a better term all right the cops in new york for example there's a shot with the almost like the last helicopters out of saigon in 75 all right the transports leaving the besieged city all right mother holds up her kid the new york police officer picks it up all right. I just don't think the show's in a place to necessarily interrogate these issues as critically as we would like. So I think that's something that's happening in this that that we don't necessarily have. We definitely didn't have the opportunity to talk about with Gundam Wing at all because Gundam Wing is a farce. Um, uh, but it, typically in in mecha anime, I, I think you'll find that the the position is one of like soldiers being not a moral good or moral bad mm-hmm. th- like that that the show is interrogating that idea um and i think that that it, that assumption has not carried through through the text of genlock a little bit where especially it is, the statue of liberty scene as well so when you're when you talk about well i mean the statue of liberty scene i i i agree with you that that 
it, it, taken in with what you're talking about and some of the language that they use when they're discussing the refugee situation later where they uh, drop Underground Railroad and, and stuff like that. Like th- those are meant to be, especially if you're American, like key phrases that make you think of specific, you know, historical events or political climates, what have you. You know, when you think of an underground railroad, you think about slaves escaping slave masters. That yeah, specific- of course, you can use the term generally, but it's hyper-specific to this one moment. In, in, in America, time. it does, yes, yeah. And so I, I almost wonder if if it's a situation where... So PMC is, is starting a stream of the 2018 release of Spider-Man mm-hmm. from uh, Insomniac? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um... A game I think is excellent. Yeah. Uh, however, due to the structure of the game and the sort of separate environment in which the comic book world takes place in, the cops are framed in a way that is, I would say, not true to life. Yes. I think these are... Com- I read that. I haven't played the game, but I had, I've read that yeah. criticism. I, I think it's something that is easy enough to put aside for the purposes of it is a game sort of situation. That's not something I'm normally on, on the side of. I, I think in this case, there is enough. I don't think that Spider-Man 2018 makes the case that cops are good, actually. I don't think that's the case that it's making. I think the case it's making is that it lives in a comic book world where there has to be... There is existing a an antagonistic force that that stands against a civilian population that a, a some kind of force needs to exist in opposition to. That's where cops exist mm-hmm. in a comic book world. Right, in a comic book world. That's yeah. not the world we that, live in. Nope. And cops have a very specific police. The police force in America has a very specific historical yeah. context yep. um, that is impossible to ignore. And then when your piece uh, engages with it, you that's something that you regardless of your position in the piece has to be addressed one way or the other and and gen lock so far um soldiers are net positive all of our soldiers that we are uh in perspective of are good guys we like the vanguard they're cool and good we've given no reason as to why but but the signifiers of the show are yeah i mean there's only one moment i can really pick out as being a a sort of negative for the vanguard and that is the extended discussion about health screening that weller engages in in episode two we'll get there okay (laughs) i have thoughts yeah okay i was gonna say right now yeah weller's a warm criminal Weller is definitely in the canon of science creeps. We didn't get to reveal the the term science creeps for Gundam Wing, but Weller is a science creep. But in any case, the point I was getting to is that Genlock exists in a world where we have good soldiers versus bad soldiers. So with that in mind, it doesn't surprise me that the show is a little bit non-critical of police officers because I could see the good soldiers falling into police officers. That's all sorts of fucked in America for sure, but... I, I think that's the side it's on. I, I think it's one of those pieces where it, it's it's not going to be... It's outside of the realm of what the show wants to be about. Like, yeah. this show has a very clear... This was something I was going to get to at the end of the episode, but I think a lot of what we're talking about here is the stuff that the show feels it needs to do in order to get to the stuff that it wants to yeah. do. Yeah, at some levels, the show is only skin deep. It's not going to interrogate these issues as critically sure, sure, as sure, we sure. might like. Yeah, I mean, the cop thing for me, I, I almost like... The first time I watched it, I almost didn't notice at all, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But I just think that the, this show is wanting to get to its core idea, mm-hmm. which we're, we're getting to now. So... Tay sacrifices himself for his family. 4,000 years later, uh, we cut back to Miranda 
who is looking at the wall of lost soldiers, which includes Chase. Right. Madrani's also very pointedly looking at Chase's face. Yeah. I mean, if I was Madrani, I would feel like, how do you guys feel about all this? Do you guys like, okay. So from a, a narrative construction point of view, I understand the purpose of keeping Miranda in the dark about all this. Mm -hmm. And I understand the logic of this is a secret government hoodalolly and you can't... (laughs) That's a technical term. Yeah, Yeah. the hoodalolly. And you can't tell your girlfriend about it. I get that. There's a... I I understand that logic of you can't send a Discord message to Miranda and be like, yo, I I live, bitch. Yeah. Slide into into her DMs, actually. (laughs) Uh, But it, it was... It was something that uh, I I don't know if it worked for me on a dramatic level because I could feel the the writer on my back being like just whispering in my ear like do you get it they need to work out the issues this will be a dramatic point of view from this point forward like it's did it work for you guys like did it emotionally resonate not really. It was fine. It's fine. I, yeah. It, I could see it, you know, from a from a million miles. Actually, Wait, okay. I have to make a complete confession. When I first proposed this show for us to cover, I had only watched the first episode, and I was honest to God convinced, based on the first episode, that Chase was actually like a ghost. Like he was actually <laughs> an image of himself. Sure. And that this show was actually going to be like, like Valkyrie profile, but mechs. Oh. And that all well, five of our characters on, <laughs> suddenly have my attention. <laughs> right. So here's my okay okay we're gonna redo here's our plan we're gonna redo Genlock but instead of people who are just laying in beds and like projecting their minds it's actually gonna be five harvested minds and we're gonna learn all about them through the through the lens of their deaths like Valkyrie Profile uh, if you don't know Valkyrie Profile is a well at least the first game is a PlayStation One game in which your main character Lenneth who is a, a Valkyrie uh, like like the Norse uh, assembles a party. Uh, by visiting uh, people upon their deaths, you witness their death, and then they join your party. It is a dope, dope game. I do recommend it. And so, based on the first episode, I was like, oh, this is just like they downloaded his brain before the plane crashed. And uh, so that was what I, when I proposed the show to you guys. I thought that at first, too. That's legit what I thought was going on. And then, you know, I watched like episode two last week and I was like, oh. Oh, okay. Oops. <laughs> uh, so uh, my next note here is um, Miranda gets hit on relentlessly by an asshole this whole time. Uh, is, is, and, and I su- uh, uh, suppose that's the character that. Uh, yeah, I think that's, that's the home. Yeah, yeah. Oops. Um, and, and I said, David Tennant shows up. Um, and then I had the question and, you know, uh, we saw this in the battle, but I wondered if robots were normal. Like we see data uh, it standing in on the conference who later makes see, the whistle. noise. I kept calling him Bishop. Bishop's fine. Too. Yeah. Yeah. We, 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 does he have a name? I, uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah. he, th- they never self identified. So really. Oh, Oh, well, okay. Please. Um, so, uh, a little Gundam wing joke for you fans who've been following us. Uh, so Madrani does make a comment about how she does feel like the Vanguard are admirable, right? Like that the Vanguard have been holding the line. They've been doing the best that they can, uh, which Miranda kind of brushes off. You can see Miranda is still kind of in a, like she's found her whatever like place of Zen that she's reached after this period of grieving. She got physically scarred as well. It's true. Yeah. Which yeah, is a nice yeah. signifier. So we have this mission where the Vanguard are going to uh, uh, help 
bring these refugees from the Union over across the border. And in, during this mission, uh, the Union attacks? And I, and I had a question. Why? Well, that's the question, right? Is why, why is the Union... Because it's so... From our lens right now... Other than they're bad guys. That right. Part that, I that's get. the thing, right? Right. That's... From our lens of watching episode one and two, all we know is that the Union are the sort of bad guys who with one hand will hit you with Twitter hashtags about why they can lead without compromise. Right. And at the other hand will also, like, open Pandora's box and kill ships full of civilians flying away. Right. So... You know, so we, that's, they're bad guys. That's all the information we're given. It's not like the refugees have important information. It's not like the refugees are, you know, special VIPs. We, they're just refugees. Right. You um, know, like, and that's, that's it. And maybe that, maybe that is enough. I, I haven't studied enough despotic governments to know. <laughs> like, right. I mean, in the year of our Lord uh, 2019, I mean, there's certainly been some high-profile incidents of governments sending assassins to brutally murder people. Sure. But those are also VIP cases, as the one I'm thinking of. Right. Is uh, so, But, like, that's different than, like, in a grassy field. Right. Well, like, we send an army. <laughs> well, I, I'm... And, and in, if in, like, two episodes from now, there's, like, a... Uh, like, you know, let's say Sinclair. Let's say Sinclair has recovered from his brain blasting. And it's like... Oh, he isn't... Fake Sinclair isn't dead? Oh, I don't know. I'm okay. just saying... Right. That, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, like, you know, and he's like, oh, uh, you know, it, we we met you there on the border because we were, we were looking to... Like, it's, cause that's what I'm saying. Like, they don't... I don't know if they're on some kind of political battlefield where they can claim that the parody... <laughs> the... the the polity was, you know, infringing on some kind of previously agreed border, and that's why they felt at liberty mm-hmm. to. Yeah, do you see yeah, what yeah. I'm saying? Like, right. we, there are ways to do. Like, even Gundam Wing had this sort of ground laying at times, where it, it, it figured out how to make those conflicts appear. Yeah, and and so far, it, it just seems like the union are bad, which is in a way fine. Like, I don't know. That, that's the thing. Like. Yeah, look, sometimes it's sometimes you want to see bad guys get bopped. Like that can be it's, satisfying. In that way, enough. it's very Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah. Which, if yeah. that's what it wants to be, go for it. That, Lean into it. That's kind of where I, my question is. I just I, I wasn't under the impression that's where we were going. Um, so we we get the the we will later find out are the Hollands. Uh, yeah. of, uh, How do you feel about Holland? The name. I don't like it. I, don't I just like don't like it because it doesn't roll off the tongue. Yeah. I, when I Holland. first when I first heard it, I was like. Like the, like the bread? <laughs> I thought of hollow lens, but... I thought of, like, you know, collar bread. I, there's a part of me that sort of, like... I, 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 I'm warming up to it now. I'm getting... But... I, I, I get what they're going for, where it's, like, a... It's not a... You project onto it. Like, I... I, I, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I think from this from this point, I'm, I'm sort of, like... I'm slant-facing it a little bit, just because it, it feels like... It feels like too much, mm-hmm, almost. Mm-hmm, but yeah. I, I, as far as like visually, and and we we you know the ones that we see here appear to be early iterations of them, based off of what we eventually see in the intro. Yeah, yeah the intro yeah. shows us different forms that I'm excited to see. I can't wait to see those. Not crazy about these ones. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. Why are there union here? What is the goal of this operation? Uh, let's see. And then we get the uh, they roll us into. How do you guys like the uh, the intro and the music? And it's like, 
it was pretty catchy. I liked it. You know, it's good. I, I liked it. It's good flavor. It wasn't, it wasn't you, you know, know, and all the all the little RMX do different things. Yeah, and, you know. Well, it's, the sequence is good. Yeah, I, I definitely like the sequence. I, I especially like the reveal of the 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 Holons will have a like a state will be introduced to them too, and then a a progressed state. I'm very excited about this yeah, progressed state. Yeah. I'm very curious about. The evil one? The evil one. Yeah. The evil that's, one that's, is yeah. interesting. Yeah. But uh, as far as the song goes, I don't know. Yeah. The song kind of serviceable. Serviceable? Yeah, okay. kind of bounces Take a drink every me. time I say serviceable. Mm. Be drunk or no. Um, it's, you know, I, I don't dislike it. It's mm. no it's no just communication, but it's, it is, it's definitely good. So I think that'll just lead us straight to episode two, yeah, right? There's yeah. always tomorrow. I want to take a quick break. Excellent. Fine. May as well cut to the... Right. Uh, yes. Chase, more like chasing after a personality, am I right? I, it's so hard to tell. It's so hard for me to tell what the problem is See, there. Dr. Weller, I can make puns, too. I, I don't know if it's the dialogue. I, I wish he actually said cut to the chase. Like, come on, yeah, just give, commit give it to, to it. Just I mean, he's... It. I forgot his name was Chase, and something on my mind was, like, niggling me. Like, yes, mm. his name's Chase. Oh, all right. Ah. Well, it's, it's funny, because he's definitely not above bad... Like puns, no, as we're about to get into. Yeah, 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 yeah. He does. Are we? Are we going? Are we rolling? I mean, we can go. I know. I know. We had uh, a place where where everybody knows your name because your name is a part of a predefined set of conventions. Uh, that are there Mexican cheers? Corner. Yes. Oh, um, did we want to before we we? Uh, sorry. <laughs> Wait, hold on. No, 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 no. <laughs> Uh, there are mechs in the extended universe of Cheers. Don't at me. Um, <laughs> did you want to talk about Caliban for a second? I didn't really have any. I was just thinking about that right before we started recording. Actually, I started. I start, I've been thinking about Miranda and Caliban, but I just think they took some very superficial signifiers. I, I think that I'd be curious to see yeah. if that pays off in any particular yeah. way. Are uh, uh, PMC? Are you familiar with the Tempest? I'm not here to calling you out. I'm not. I'm 100. It's a Shakespeare work, right? Yes, yes. it is. One of his yes, later works. One of his later works. It's, okay. Many people think that the end monologue of the Tempest, the famous, uh, 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 is sort of Shakespeare being like, "I'm done, fuck off," a little bit. I believe the phrase "Brave New World" originated in the Tempest. Yeah, okay. that's Miranda. Yes, that's Miranda. Uh, uh, such, what Brave New World and such people in it? Yes. Okay. it Miranda sort of marveling at the idea mm-hmm. of the outside world. Mm-hmm. So Caliban, yes, in in the Tempest is the the son of the original ruler of the island that, uh, uh. Fuck. Prospero? Prospero comes to rule mm. with his daughter Miranda. Okay. And Caliban is like a weirdo, mutant, crazy man, sort of loaded imagery racism sort of situation. Okay. Okay. Um, and is kind of the servant of Prospero, but also sort of resents his servitude, but also is sort of sympathetic. Shakespeare's good, y'all. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but Caliban, the robot. Doesn't seem to come into play yet, but as a servant, that seems mm-hmm. to be the main, as of right now, the main context of, of the name Caliban, yeah. the robot. I don't think it comes into play with Miranda. Miranda doesn't seem to have, unless we find out that Miranda is related to uh, David Tennant, uh, yeah. the doctor, which yeah. doesn't seem to be the case. Um, but yeah, I guess we can go into, do you want to go into episode two from here? Please. You want to talk about that one? opening line? You want to talk about... You all look like you've seen a ghost. Yeah. That's... So is that is that a good line? Does, like, All right. So I have something about to say about this opening, and I'll just jump in. Yeah. I don't think Haddock writes humor well. I think he I think he feels the need. So bad writers or writers when they're trying to cover up for lack of anything will often resort to jokes. 
Um, imagine if you are meeting a someone you're crushing on and you're meeting them for the first time and you're very nervous. And in order to cover up that nervousness, you crack jokes. It's for a lot of people natural, natural human sure. instincts. Sure, sure, sure. I feel that nervous quality here in the script because I feel like the, a lot of the Weller's lines, it's a very awkward time to be joking. Now that might say, of course, that might say something about Weller in general, that he's he can't read the room well, which he really can't at times. I just feel like there's one line that holding for a laugh, nope, nope, well, moving on. And then when Weller says spoilers, I just, it's, he's very tone deaf. And sometimes I feel like the show is tone deaf or trying to overcompensate by including like, this is an internet show. It needs humor. It's, it's going to be jokey joke time. I think those things are all mixed in. I think it is true that Weller is intended not to be able to read a room and is intended to be awkward. But because everyone else is also being awkward, it's hard to tell when he is, you know, awkward as a character and awkward because that is a consequence of the creative process of the show. So that's part of the it's difficult to tell whether the tone issues are purposeful, that the this character is one who uh, regards Chase's life situation as something to be joked about. Or if that's the show not being sure what kind of show it is. Yeah, but if the show sometimes lacks confidence. There's definitely examples of that, too, though. I think the one that stuck out for me, like, I, you know, I'm like sort of like, you know, childishly delighted by David Tennant. So I don't think I was picking on that as much, but I think I'd already alluded to before uh, the bit about uh, Siege in this scene where being flat. Migas Migas is like, oh, it's really Chase because he's like, do you want to play Siege? And I'm like, you did not sell me on this at all. Like, this should the, be important. He, especially when he delivers the line, it seems yeah. like he's in a vacuum, that there's not right. 30 other people around him. Yeah, it, and like, because what I would want is, in that to make that really work to me, I would need that flavor, that quirk, that rapport that develops between longtime friends. And because it's not there... Like, me, the way Migas responds sells me on it. He's like, oh yeah, that's definitely oh, him. It's him. But like... The way Chase delivers it's, it? It's essentially the Steve Buscemi meme. Hello, yeah. kids. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, like, uh, you know, for me, it, it's interesting that, that, that that's where we're, we're all kind of finding these different places where we got lost from it. Because I'm kind of on, on PMC's side with regards to David Tennant here. For the most part, for the most part, he works for me. I, I And I think it's more... I think David Tennant has a better sense of who his character is because it's a pretty... Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is that David Tennant's character, Weller, by design, is intended to be awkward and intended not to be able to read the room. And so, like, in a sense, because of the muddiness of that, it sort of allows me more readily to overlook those issues compared to Chase, who isn't really imbued with those qualities. And when, when he can't read the room or whatever i'm like huh well and for me the line that is where i was you know taken out of it is is where the colonel says to the room you know if you talk about it i'll kill you myself it's like i don't know why i don't want to give the show credit for that line i was like that doesn't sound good out of this like and i don't know if it's like maybe if we spent more time with this colonel this would seem like the sort of line that the colonel would say mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but like it just the it, script needs an editor it's it's like the other problem, too, and I said this off mic, I don't know if this was recorded, it's difficult. Characters don't seem to have individual voices super well, at least at this early stage. Like, Weller does. The, the doctor who David Tennant plays, Weller has a very awkward, it's almost like if 
Otacon had charisma, right? That that seems to be how David Tennant is playing. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, a good way to phrase it. Um, Weller, like, because because Weller, he's awkward and he's not reading the room. Um, but I wouldn't say that that it's he's not totally absent-minded, right? Like, in episode two, multiple occasions, like he's playing a role, but like he also kind of lets it slip that like. He's like, so what are you doing here? Because he's like, are you going to do the thing that I think you're going to do? Because I'm absolutely going to feed you to a blender. Yeah. Well, and that works well. Right. And and it's it's weird because I, I there are points where David Tennant, to me, of all the voice actors, and like to be honest, when we get to the trainees, this stops being as much of a problem. I agree. And, and I don't know how much of this be, is because all the other trainees are really, really good. Right, there's a murderer's row, yeah. Like, it's weird because I know Michael B. Jordan is great. Yeah. I know Michael B. Jordan is great. Nothing his characters had to say has mattered to me at all. Like, And, 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 and I'm, I'm trying to find the center of that. Yeah, right? no. And, and I do yeah. think it is, like, I, I don't disagree with you, Stephen, in that I think the dialogue is super weak. He- I think undercuts moments that should be solemn with jokes like the opening with you all look you all look like you've seen a ghost and then colonel marin says really in a very comedic way i just felt i don't know i just i didn't well my note here i'll 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 read it out loud here because i i show i can't believe you want me to let you get away with that line just because you acknowledge it Mm -hmm. like it feels like to me as someone who has written creatively as a hobby you almost can't resist it Right. It, it's like I've oh, this look at this clever shit that I've set myself up for. And I'm not necessarily bagging it. I, I do think that sometimes you have to stop and step back and say, like, is this the best choice for the story I'm trying when to tell? When I first in high school and college started to write creatively, I would throw so many jokes in to cover up my bad writing. And I feel like Haddock is doing that a bit. I, I I don't know. There, there are points where I agree with you, and I, and I think that ghost line definitely is is one of them. I I think. Did any of the comedic lines actually land? I laughed zero times in these two episodes. I enjoyed. Don't get me wrong. I enjoyed some of the first two episodes, but none of it actually landed. Now that might be a personal preference with humor for me. I just felt it was overall too forced. So I I will. Um, I think Cyberdome is good. I thought Cyberdome was a good bit, mm-hmm. um, and I, I like that they've had this conversation and that David Tennant disagrees. That And I disagree with David Tennant. I think Cyberdome is the best of the ones that he mentioned. E-Brain. I, and, I liked all of them. You liked Mind, all Mind of them? Mindframe, E-Brain. Mindframe's Cyber- not bad. Mindframe's not bad. Uh, E-Brain. I wish Mindframe was what the Hollands were called. Right. Uh, I think that um, uh, Madrani, when, when David Tennant says, this isn't your moment, that made me laugh. Uh, I was like, okay, yeah, because because that's sort of the the um, uh, that sort of situation when you're trying to give someone praise and it ends up besmirching someone else in the room and like that to me is a character building moment where I learn here like he he means well but his definitely yeah no I, I think that scene with M- Madrani Migas Chase and Weller is like except for I mean we we can talk about the health screening thing but in terms of the I think tending to the emotional needs that Weller does, uh, the way he says, you know, thank you to Migas, and he checks in on Chase. I really like that. Bit. That's the best scene of the episode. That is all of some of the like the the best stuff. Like yeah. that that lanes the most. Yeah, and the issue too is because the animation is sometimes weak. The you don't see the characters express themselves or emote themselves like humans might. Like, I I think that a lot of what we're criticizing ends up 
going away in that scene with Miguel and yes. Chase and Madrani. And I think that scene is really well realized. I think it communicates the relationship between Miguel and Chase really, really well. I I didn't like the line where uh, Chase is trying to like cut is like the melodrama or whatever. I didn't like that line. I, I didn't feel like we had gotten to a place in the scene yet where we could all relax and tell jokes now. I didn't think the, 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 the scene had gotten there yet. And and I don't know if it needs to get there. I I really feel like this that that Stephen is right and that it, it's it's like falling back on like a, I don't want to say a, a writing crutch necessarily. That's not the terminology you want to use, but it is. It, it feels unnecessary a lot of the time. Like it, it feels like it's covering for character moments instead of building upon them. It works in this scene really well, and then pretty much never again. At least in these first two episodes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Do you want to talk about health screening? Uh, so, uh, yeah. So we have a moment here where we're learning about the, the Genlock-capable pilots. And we learned that that during health screenings, I assume to join the Vanguard. Probably, you know. Um, we learned that, that information was gathered at that time in order to determine whether you were Genlock-compatible. And David Tennant's character makes some, I, I, I what I would call... Uh, jokes off color that's jokes? what i was like war criminal yeah i, I just <laughs> listen we in, got a mangala here in i, I you, you, don't, you don't think your health is the only thing being screened i dios mio and he's talking about inject and collect oh goodness like it's in 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 2019 when uh anti-vaxxer rhetoric is such a big deal mm-hmm. like this i don't know if this was funny yeah i mean i think the the it's fine the I angle guess. i, I was, don't know the angle i was looking at it from because you're certainly you're right there that conspiracy theories about health and is is a problem and you know and, and it is an issue because at the same time that you are trying to apply vaccines you know sometimes you do have the CIA creates a fake vaccine program right. that totally screws up the eradication of polio. Right, exactly. Yeah, uh, you know, and so it, it is. You know, when you have a fictional setting where it's like, yeah, our, our health screening program. Well, it was mostly true. But there's a part of it that's fake. I'm like, mm. yeah, I just that's the part where I'm like, I don't know if you guys understand that that's not really a joke. And then, <laughs> like, and then the, I think the other part of it too is that y- you take that right, and so that's in the fictional setting. And and so what we've done now is I think that concern in common with the general privacy concern of the misuse of confidential information. I mean, we're calling it misuse because I don't think anyone agreed necessarily to have them scan for Genlock compatibility. Probably not. Probably didn't even know the program existed. That starts telling us that the policy aren't the 100% good guys. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's what it seems like, right? It right. could be uh, 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 storytelling from that point of view. Uh, I guess this is when I, I think we we transition directly into meeting the trainees, right? At yes. this point, yep, yep, yep. So we meet uh, Cami McLeod, uh, who is co- color coded in green. Uh, Sinclair, who is in blue and who is flicking a coin between his fingers. Uh, uh, we are introduced to Valentina at this point, who is color coded green, and uh, Ida, who is red. wait. I thought Valentina was purple. It's like a. I mean, what color did you say you were associating with McLeod? Green. Okay. Okay. Um, but but yeah, Valentina is a pink or a purple. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say pink for the purposes okay. of something I'm about to get yeah. into. Uh, and I did like here when Chase uh, after we we introduced the trainees, uh, Chase has a line about Madrani where he says, uh, "Once you get to know her, and she's pretty much the same. right." <laughs> which is a, which is <laughs> That's a good one. That was a good one. That was yeah, a good yeah. line. Yeah. I liked that. 
So I'm going to uh, I'm going to take us away from the episode for a Ooh. moment and going to take us into a corner here. We're going to call this trope corner. Uh, tropes are good in this particular case. Uh, Genlock utilizes some visual theming in the tradition of Sentai or Super Robot shows. Uh, color coded protagonists typically these are done for toyetic reasons. Typically, this is done because children are easier able to identify characters or you know uh, people based off of color or animal theme or what have you. And this is why Sentai does this. It's so that a four-year-old can go red and the parents like, fuck yeah, here's the red, here's the red <laughs> one. You got the red one. So, you know, and Sentai is the way it is and it, because, you know, kids can watch a, a, a very long commercial for a thing they want to buy and adults get a kind of super corny martial arts soap opera. We, everybody wins. Um, for the purposes of what we're talking about here, the the Genlock is more following in the tradition of super robot shows. I think here in America, people would think largely of Voltron, which mm-hmm. is based off of Go Lion, uh, a super robot show. And in these shows, you can uh, a, a sort of canon has been established regarding what these characters or what these colors can signify. Uh, red is leadership, courage, friendliness, uh, a sense of justice. Almost never a lady. Blue is loyalty, intelligence, and typically they exist in contrast to the leader. Mm-hmm. So if the leader has some kind of primary characteristic, blue will have some kind of contrasting characteristic. So if red is headstrong or or um, quick to jump into a dangerous situation, blue will be pensive. And think about Usagi and uh, uh, Mercury uh-huh. from mm-hmm. Sailor Moon. So right. red versus blue. And- uh, green typically represents a uh, is uh, humor, ingenuity, or cunning. Black uh, is often interchangeable with green and sometimes the bruiser for the most part. When it comes to Super Robot, black tends to be the uh, the leader. The the in, in the case of Voltron in particular, the Black Lion is the the leader character in in that uh, series. Uh, yellow is one of these interchangeable ones, often interchangeable with green. And if a lady, yellow will typically be less feminine than pink. Mm-hmm. Um, pink it represents grace, serenity, always a lady presenting individual. And sometimes uh, is a if an inversion of that. It's like sometimes pink will be the least graceful, the least feminine. The le- Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah, it, yeah. It's just on this sort of binary zero or one situation there's obviously more colors than that and they've uh, you know uh, uh accrued their own sort of meanings but for genlock we're going to leave it there uh and i think you know genlock's first two episodes suggest that they're going to play into and subvert these signifiers for one thing uh the leader is a light blue color scheme uh you know i, I don't think it's too much of a stretch at this point to guess that chase is going Absolutely, to yeah. represent the leader of of these genlock recruits being someone who has previous piloting right. experience he's the original genlock recruit in the opening he's shown with all the signifiers as the leader right one in a million he's literally. a jet fighter you know uh yellow is is taking the role of blue in this case because as we'll come to find that the way that they subvert the color coding in this particular episode is that blue is a traitor uh, red is taking the role traditionally played by black, although it's not that weird in the case of Super Robot. Uh, in Voltron, red is the right arm. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. not that out of the place for right. that. But in Sentai, typically red would be the leader. Yeah. Uh, and pink will be played. This is 
Send me a spoiler, but I, we did talk right, about this previously. It. Pink will be played by a gender fluid individual, subverting the trope of the pink feminine ranger at times. Huh. And and I'm curious to see how the show plays with these ideas moving forward. What I've done here is introduce a very basic 101 level uh, 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 explanation of these ideas, but I have. Uh, faith that that Genlock is concerned with this mm-hmm. and and wants to build. No, I think it's it. conscious for sure. Yes, yeah, I agree. I, I think it's something that, like I said previously, with the storytelling stuff, I think a lot of that is what it feels it needs to get done in order to get to what it wants to get to, which I think is these pilots and their relationships to one another and how they're going to express themselves through the Holons. Getting back to, let me take us out of my corner yeah, here. Maybe I can drag you, drag you into my corner. Oh no! To express that I see you. Oh no! Specifically, this was brought up briefly in episode one with Chase's mom, but is more pointedly addressed to us in the mechanical exposition of why everyone can understand Ida. That's right. With which Valentina. is that everyone seems to have. I like that bit of world building. Yeah, special eyes. My brand. My brand. I have special eyes. Look. Look with your special eyes. My brand! And the special eyes uh, and give them subtitles. I actually really also appreciate that Valentina also had subtitles in some Cyrillic language as well. Yes. Which is a nice touch. And, uh, and so I find that really interesting. I am, as a spec fic reason, just I want to know more about these eyes, how people Same. get them, if there are risks to them. Certainly in a world where we've already learned about, you know, remote hacking and things like that and and deception, you know, the people are clearly deceived by by hollow Skype. Um I, I you know I just hope this is something we learn more about. I'm gonna give the show plenty of time to do it. I'm not I'm not worried about at this point. At this point we really just had the payoff of why can everyone why can everyone understand Ida this is why. This is why. And it was good. I liked it. I think it's and, interesting. Sorry, go ahead. No, that's it. No, that's, uh, I think yeah. it's interesting how we're establishing a base level of transhumanism that people don't seem to have any Right. No one with. No one blinks an eye. A, which I think, I wonder if the show will have, <laughs> will have the tool set to engage with that as it moves forward. Yeah. Like, uh, you know. The proper lens. After we meet a... Mm. After we meet the trainees... Oh, wait, that's all right. And, the, and I, I have a note here that Arya says that and uh, a fuck word. Um, but I guess it's not that weird, <laughs> considering she's from Game of Thrones, but... Right, I mean, she's directly uh, from Game of Thrones. Yeah. Like, but uh, after we meet the recruits, Chase... This is the moment where Chase decides he's going to uh, have a confrontation with Miranda. Um, they They do a good job of establishing how both of them are conflicted about how to approach this. Uh, it's that moment where they both try to start speaking at once. I, I think that's That's good. a good moment. Yeah, I think that's good storytelling right there. I don't know. Do you either of you buy this conflict? I, I am absolutely willing to give her the room. Yes. What surprises me is that, you know, she's got four years of war yeah. and four years of, of emotional scarring. And I'm not saying that she doesn't need time. But I am surprised that, you know, having been committed to a war for four years, you wouldn't be that level of soldier. I mean, maybe it says something about her that she's not such a committed soldier that she's willing to say, you know what? My side had a secret project for four years and I understand. Right, right. Um, or I don't know. If, and I don't know if that's her destination. Right. It could be that this is such a big deal that she's not willing to arrive at that point, even if she is 
this super valuable soldier, even if she really is, you know, worth it. Yeah, my thoughts were similar. Uh, I think it's interesting. Okay, there we have two tracks here, right? We have the their personal track, which is the position of why didn't you tell me you were still alive versus I couldn't tell you I was still alive because of one government reasons and two. I don't know how to say this lightly, I guess. Literal goddamn physical disability. True. Yeah, like, he's in a tube. Like, I, I and th- this is the aspect of it where I'm not sure if I, like, I think there is a, a conversation about, like, the realistic reactions that people receive upon becoming physically or mentally disabled in some regard. I, I'm not saying that I doubt that there are people who would not be empathetic and and be uh, giving you the the space to have made this sort of mistake. Like this is the part where I I I wonder sometimes tension friction are important for drama. You think Haddock's forcing it a bit? I, I see. I I just sometimes pe- characters in a story can't speak like people would mm-hmm. because it would it would disrupt the drama you are building. Right. True. I I and, and like you want to have this moment right because you want to have someone who Chase cares about throw Chase's life situation in his face as a negative right you you want that not literally I mean as a storyteller you don't want that to happen to Chase I'm not speaking specific the audience I was looking directly at PMC trilogy like this was it. this is what PMC wants <laughs> um, but no my my point is that like from a storytelling goal would to, to be have someone who matters to Chase be like you're a fucking ghost or whatever she says to him. some some mean shit about how he's he's not even really oh here. Classic like Miranda. Yeah, I know that's that's me tonight playing Spider Man. <laughs> find find Uncle Ben. You're a fucking ghost. <laughs> right. But but my point is that you you need someone who matters to Chase to say something cruel to him to make it clear that there is because. Because that's like one of the real questions at play here, right? Is that like when Hologram chases out and about and interacting with people, is that Chase? Yeah. Is, holo- is Hologram Chase even better than the real Chase? <laughs> just like Hologram Gutex. Just like Hologram Gutex. <laughs> from the future. <laughs> and I think that's interesting. It, it, and, and I wish there was a part of me that's like, because I understand Miranda's point of view pretty well, which is, you know, it would be hard to learn that someone you cared about who you thought was gone wasn't gone and chose not to tell you. Yes. That would be hard right. regardless. That's like 100% the reason why, you know, it, it makes sense that she can't just be like, actually, this was worth it for the war effort. Like, of course not. Like, yeah, that's fine. I think it's fine for it to be complicated. Where where it sort of loses me is that moment of like, uh, fuck you, you're a ghost chase or whatever she says. Um, <laughs> you're a wizard, Harry. Um, uh, because I feel, I I feel the direct hand of the storyteller, like like accomplishing one of his checklist tasks rather than the story unfolding in front of mm-hmm. me. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, based it, on what you know, the thirty minutes I spent with Miranda in episode one, I think that she would give him the benefit of the doubt once she realized his physical limitations. Well, I, and I think at the end of episode two, in the middle of the whole uh, uh, situation, blue yeah. in the uh, in that area, I think there is a moment where Miranda like sees the tank and she she's does. like, oh, and so 
we could be inbound on that soon, maybe. I I, uh. I, I think it's clear in the storytelling of the episode that like it, she definitely wanted to have a direct confrontation with Chase, and I almost wonder if what they're going for is like if if she saw Chase, like I, I again I don't know how much emphasis I want to put on Chase in the back to tank being the real Chase. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I almost wonder if that's what they're going for. Yeah, it's like yeah. that that lack of the empathy she was missing has one hundred percent to do with the fact that she wasn't seeing that that he's he is right not capable right. of free movement. He's he's not just skipping and hopping around for four years. Right. Like it, it's. I almost wonder if that that is like because because that would be you know really again like I almost wonder if it's the structure that's making me feel. The, the literal, like, disembodied hands of Grey Haddock, like, moving his action mm-hmm. figures across mm-hmm. the, the screen. I guess we should continue on through the episode, right? Yeah. I, I will say, I'm glad that we get to stop and have these conversations here, because I don't think we had these opportunities in Gundam Wing as much. But That's uh, a good point. It, we definitely are finding more meat to dig into individually yeah. as individual aspects of this story. No, it's, it's definitely a definitely enjoyable. Oh, one thing I do, I just wanted to compliment, uh, and I think this is also something that I would do in Gundam Wing, the landscapes are all beautiful. Yeah. I yeah. think like when the when the recruits arrive, uh, like in the sh- it's flying over and it's just like, like now I, I just want to go to like Colorado now. <laughs> like That's kind of like how I felt about it. I was like, damn, this all looks great. Let's go hiking. Uh, so we we uh, have the trainees uh, uh, suit up. They they enter their Super Sentai suits. Uh, this is where I was really like, uh, I don't know about y'all, but when I played Mass Effect, I, I gave my armor suits some some primary colors. Mm-hmm. And this is where I was. I, this is where I landed on the like. I almost wonder if this is too because something we should mention about about uh, Rooster Teeth and Red versus Blue is that they're very much like aware of their like gamer roots <laughs> which you know is a, a loaded phrase i would say now but i i do think that they're counting on yeah um a certain amount of literacy from that crowd definitely, yeah, definitely. Um, so we we suit up and in the process of the trainees arrive we see a scene where the parody fuck <laughs> fuck they, if they'd be more on the nose since they're the good guys, they should be called the probity. <laughs> the polity. Yeah. Talk um, about the heavy hand of the writer. They they uh, make it. They detect some kind of union signal when the trainees arrive. Um, the trainees, having been suited up, are confronted by the uh, polity guards, and I don't think the commander is there at this point. The colonel is there at this point. No. Colonel Monica, Monica Real. Yeah. No, she's not. It's she just doesn't show dudes. up until they're outside of the uh, the, of the, the the back to tank room. Yeah. Uh, some goons yeah. uh, approach them, and at first they think. At first, Madrani thinks they're referring to her yeah. because she's from the Union, right? Um, uh, but we discover that it's actually Sinclair, who has been. I would say they did a good job of riding the line of someone who seems like they were kind of spacey, but but mean yeah. as well. Do we have like, a cultural signifier for him, Aryan? Germanic or yeah, like I mean, he's very much Nordic American Ranger, but like definitely from that sort of tradition. Yeah, I was being they, glib in they my kept answer, him, but yeah, they kept calling him Ranger. So yeah. I was like, oh, he's just like he's just white bread. Yeah, if you do look at where everyone's from, it is interesting. Uh, our Japanese, let's sideline our Japanese pilot for just a minute Ida, too. Yeah. But 
we have I don't have all the names. Cami is from Scotland and yes. historically McLaren. so these aren't usually dominant groups. They usually groups that have been politically subsumed into a larger empire sure. or oppressed. So we have of course Chase being an African American man in America. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming America does America exist as a national political entity? Well, I don't know. As we see it, um, the unions appears to have uh, uh, conquered the entire West and Midwest. Uh, it seems well, like you mean the East and and Midwest, right? These well, coast? no, because the East Coast is still. Oh, did, you say, did you say polity or did you say union? I'm, I said the union. The union, yeah, the East Coast. The polity has the East Coast at the Battle of New York. Now it's reversed because the show never explicitly says that you have to infer that New York's been taken over. Right, but but the 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 area of the map that we see that that the border has not pressed on uh, it might include New York, but it definitely shows the East Coast as polity. In the beginning of the show, Four after years. the Battle of New York, during this scene where we're where we're rescuing the refugees, there okay. we're still in the United States and we're on yeah. the East Coast. No, they showed the ba- they showed the Detroit's been taken. I I, I will defer to you guys okay. here, but I'm I, I, I almost sworn. positive. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, no, that's fine. That's just a, a detail we just got to check. That's not like a big deal. I mean, it's not like the show gives yeah. us any of this right. information. It could be anywhere. So. In my yeah. original pass, I wrote so New York fell, right? Yeah, and it did, but the show's not very explicit about that. I mean, right. you have to do some small I, level interesting. Sworn but, they referenced Detroit at some point, but, but maybe the, in a line. But, but the East Coast is more than New York, you guys. It is. It no, is. but I, the map. I there's a map. There's a map. Most of the East Coast, like everything east of the Mississippi, is colored red is the map i'm thinking of oh that's not the map i'm the map i'm thinking of is almost the entire united states is black except for parts of the east coast which remains okay yeah okay yeah 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 yeah. so i i I mean this is obviously something we can just check again the show the gauntlet is dropped gloves off (laughs) again the show does not do a good job of telling us this stuff it just doesn't like it's it's in the visuals but it does not like this is why i was asking the question about what the culture war means is the the union, uh, what we would have previously referred to as communist states, or is it, does, it seems to be that's the, like the, the visual signifiers they're going for is like collective action and you know no compromise and, and like you know and and I can see why the showrunners wouldn't want to like throw the flag in the ground there necessarily yeah, is to yeah, say yeah, that yeah. like oh Western thought represents diversity and justice and you know individual freedom mm-hmm. and and you know. The West Coast doesn't like I, I get that. I get why they wouldn't. But it is difficult to have to talk about the show in a lot of ways. Like, I almost wish that the the union were just aliens. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I, I, I almost wish when I thought of the Hellgast, for example, that's why I thought they well, you know, I thought for a moment they might have been. But uh, in, in any case, uh, the Sinclair is revealed as as a spy for the union. Uh, the coin he's been flipping, get it? Because flipping, like a mm-hmm. you know, flipping mm-hmm. sides, mm-hmm. like a two face, like a traitor. Would have been fun if the coin was was shown as literally two faced. I don't know if that. <laughs> I don't think that was shown, but um, the the coin is full of nano machines, uh, which he uses to escape the other trainees. I uh, I guess because he's like a trained uh, espionage agent, he was able to adapt to the power suits faster mm-hmm. than everybody. I'm I'm kind of fine with it because that's a, a trope for. Um, teams of superpowered here, individuals. It's a trope that they have trouble learning how yeah, to work period, together yeah. easily. Mm-hmm. We see Madrani as, as our number two, our you know our second in command character is the most effective at hampering Sinclair in his quest. And we do see um, some hollow distraction going on with uh, with Chase, um, but it 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 doesn't matter in the long run because Sinclair is able to capture David Tennant. 
there was a cute moment where he refers to David Tennant as the, the greatest mind in the polity and David Tennant. Oh, you're talking it, about me. It, it's like, <laughs> hmm? Oh, me. Yeah. <laughs> like, which uh, to me is, uh, that was good. Yeah. That was a good moment. Yeah. Um, I would give credit to the writer or um, David Tennant, whoever thought of that in that moment. Um, One it, thing, you know, I got to say, uh, not to not to invoke too strong a discourse, but rewatching episode two, uh, especially like this end sequence, like it's it was kind of painful on a rewatch because I feel like all the tension drains once you know where it's going. Like there's like I, I you know, like I, of course any rewatch, right? You would know where it's going, but like when you kind of understand that it's just driving towards this sort of mechanical exposition of you can't genlock if you aren't compatible. Mm-hmm. Like it, it definitely like drained a little bit of it for me, and all I could think about was like, yeah, man, maybe there's more stories than spoilers. Well, so. I don't want to. I I agree with you. Yeah. But, it, but for me, it was like, how do I put this without being like they they make such a thing of being particular about mm-hmm. not everyone can can genlock and and I kind of assumed how do I put this? I kind of assumed that that Trader Sinclair knew that and there was yeah. some aspect of because I because I my thought in the episode when when. David Tennant is like, oh, sure, let him go. I, I thought the twist was going to be David Tennant assumed that he would get brain blasted because you need to be a specific kind yeah. of person. Yeah, Because that's why we have that set up in the elevator is, is you know, you were either like a, a copy, uh, you either like Sinclair having been turned. Yeah. You couldn't have faked the test. Or you replaced him. And if you replaced him, then you, you you're can't, not compatible. You can't. You're going to get brain blasted. And I thought that was too much. Like once it turned out that was the case, I was like, "Oh, really?" Yeah. I, I thought it was it's gonna... just that direct. Yeah. Well, because to me, that's why I was like, "Like, it's not even really a spoiler, right?" Because I agree with you that 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 like you're like because that's the things, right? You expect something because it's so set up that this is what Weller is doing. That he's like, "Oh, well, let me just drive this hammer into this nail." That I'm like, okay, well, you know, either he is going to get through it or it's going to stop. or something. Because when you rewatch it and you know that it's just the hammer hitting the nail. Right. Let me tell you, seeing that, seeing the robot just sort of mercilessly feed the bad guy to the brain blast is like, oh, like, isn't there a safety setting on this? Like, wouldn't you just turn the machine off when you see that first red alarm? Like, I mean, we're really just going to cook this boy like this because that's like terrifying. I mean, I will say that they they make the the they they show him like straight. Something we haven't talked about is that the the, the violence is um like it, it is shown, but it is not very explicit. Um, and and this is not a a. I'm not complaining. I'm not sitting here like no. I I, I need yeah. to see the blood. <laughs> I need to see the guts. It's not right. that. But what I am saying is that um, we lose some because he headshot some boys. Oh like, yeah, he yeah. The, he cold headshot some some of these guards who are coming in. So he's like one hundred percent an enemy combatant who is a physical threat. Mm-hmm. And there's also a weird moment before he gets brain blasted where he's like caressing people with his nano machines, and I wasn't sure. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure what the threat was. The, the interaction <laughs> with. Nano machines and people in the first two episodes. Like at first, I was like, "Oh, it's just like crawling into the brains and like killing yeah, them." Or sure, whatever. sure, like, sure, sure, whatever. But like in episode two, it's like, "Oh, doesn't this? 
I'm, I'm going to tickle you. Yeah. you know? <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? What's just, the threat here? I just wasn't sure. Is it, is it straight death or what, mate? <laughs> um, you know, I just wasn't sure what the, like, in that particular moment, that was just some weird visuals. Um, and so, like, I, I, I think that, that we're, I'm not sure yet, as of having just watched episode one and two, though so far that's all I've seen yet, audience, I'm not sure yet what we're meant to take away from Rufus Weller in that moment where he's like, ha ha! <laughs> you know, he thinks it's great. Right, he's uh, like, who wants to get in next? Yeah, it's a joke, right? <laughs> right, it's a joke. But like, you fed this boy. He's a can of blood soda yeah, now. It, it, it's, it's kind of like, we don't even know the extent of how fucked he is, but like, I have to assume it's catatonic. He's dead. Right? I yeah. assume he's dead. He's just like a pile of flesh now. And, and like, it's, you know, I'll be curious to see because he's in the credits, you know, like we see that, that boy standing and flipping his coin in, in the credits still. So I, maybe he's a going concern in some regard. Mm. I don't, I don't see how. But well, you know, I mean, I, I I think it's because of the the replacement thing, right? Is that the suggestion? Is that oh that the the real one is is out there? Because oh, that's not someone had to have passed the Genlock test, and you know, and I don't think we're given any reason to believe yet that you can pass the test, but also not actually be compatible. So. Uh, that's my assumption Did that you, it's a cosmetic thing. You know, something we didn't touch on um, is that in the course of this chase, um, Jen locks into mm. his Halon. Yes. Um, and is waiting to react to whatever Halon this, this right. boy is guy's trying to take. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it turns out to not be necessary. Um, do you feel like Chase in his Halon is different from Chase in the hologram or in the tube? I need more text before I can make yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I noticed was that I think you can tell how much he loves the lightness of movement in the Holon. Yes. The Holon was like, had like a flow. Yes. He was like ready to go. Like, I'm yep. doing this kind of like idle fighter animation right now. Right, right. You know, to, the podcast is like, just that, that's the sort of like thing that I saw in him that it was like, an, like he couldn't suppress this need to idle animate. Well, I and the other thing that I noticed is that he there's lots of I wouldn't call them one liners, but he's very pithy in the hall on. You know, he's got a sup for for Miguel when you know, and he's got uh, forty foot man come through. Yeah, exactly. Like he's 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 pithy in in a way that like I, I can see you know when when you're like you know after a good workout or uh you know after uh you know let's let's get into the Sekiro like after a tough encounter in Sekiro and you kind of have that moment like okay yeah you know i'm feeling uh, it yeah exactly give me that taco bell um or or if you're zex and you're in the tall geese <laughs> and you're you're just like yes i feel nothing nothing can defeat me i i, I get that vibe from from chase when he's in the mm-hmm. hall on and i and i wonder if they'll carry that through yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That if there is a uh in in the way that you know jake sully feels uh, a liberation in Avatar, and uh, when he gets to embody his his new Avatar form, I'm wondering if not to fucking reference I thought about James, that movie. Yeah, in years. A name I haven't heard so, Not to, to reference James Cameron's Avatar as a as a shared text here, but I I wonder if they're going to carry that through when if we're going to talk about Austin Walker embodiment, right, and and how he feels in the Bakta tank versus how he feels in the Holon. I think already we're seeing some visual signifiers of like liberty, you mm-hmm. know, of like, yes, this is my real mm-hmm. most comfortable mm-hmm. self. Right. 
so I, I that pretty much brings us to the end. Right, of, it brings of, us about about to the the end of it. I think that it pretty much finishes right up there. I believe the 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 Weller inappropriate joke about you want to get fed to a blender to a microwave is pretty much how the episode ends. So, you know, we've been pretty, uh, I, I think we've been, uh, had a pretty good discussion about how we all feel about episode two here. Do you guys feel like you have any sum up thoughts you want to get out before we, we start transitioning to the end of our episode? I think the, the, the main thing that I, uh, I expect to get lots of interplay between our main characters and how the relationships are going are going to work. I expect to be getting slapped in the face of that for the next two episodes. What I want is the the nature of the conflict and the stakes of the conflict. And I am less confident about those. I need I definitely need more context. I need to come to terms with this might just be a fun Saturday morning show, though I do know it delves into issues of identity more critically in the episodes to come. I'm hope I'm hopeful that it will handle those issues gracefully. So and with tact, which I think it will, to be honest, because I, in one sense, I do know where the politics lie in this show. They are very concerned about diversity and representation, right? Which is great. Which is honestly the the so far, you know, the 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 way it's handled inclusion is maybe like the number one best thing about this show. It, in my opinion, it is. Uh, so I think the, you know to to piggyback off of what both of you are saying, I I am optimistic that after this point, it's going to get better. Mm-hmm. I, I think. We are going to see now that we've laid the groundwork and done all the stuff that's not fun to do when you're writing. I, I, I'm, I'm hoping we're going to get to like because there are clear ideas in the core here. I could see them at the center, but I there's just a lot of unfun work that I, I, I can't feel the passion behind. Do you, does yeah. that make sense? Mm. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. It, it feels like from here on out, I have faith that things are going to get better. Um, I don't even think these were bad. No. That's the main thing I want to say is like... I, I think a lot of this uh, re- honestly reminded me of how I felt about Guardians 1. It was just a lot of Guardians of the Galaxy 1. It was a lot of, we got to do these things to get to a point to create an arc so that we can have the fun that we have in Guardians 2. Right. Yes. Yeah. I, I think that's fair. I, I, I really feel like all the problems I had with these first two episodes have everything to do with... If they had infinite time, it probably would be different. And, right. and I do also think there is like a. I think that there was a a a story first and a plot second, and and I think we're seeing that mm-hmm. unfold in front of us. Um, I I I have my doubts about ever learning anything more about the polity or the union. Yeah. Um, I think that's just something that we're just going to have to get snug with. I think now we're going to get into because we're because here's what we're going to start having to address is. Is Hollow Chase Chase? Is is that Chase, or is Chase in the Bakta Chase, or is Holon Chase Chase? Or is is Meet Val and the rest the real Val and the rest, or are Holon Chase and like that's the stuff I think the show is interested in, and I bet you that's the stuff that's going to yeah. be good. No, I, I yeah. have confidence that that will be brought up and that it will be at minimum fun and hopefully interesting. Yeah. All right, you guys uh, feel like we were ready to sign out? Yeah, I think I'm about ready to go. Uh, remember, folks, if you want uh, updates on anything that, uh, that we're doing on the podcast, you can always go to uh, our Twitter account, at MechanationsPod. Uh, and if you have a particular uh, favorite podcast service that you like to get things from, uh, we always appreciate uh, delicious, delicious feedback. Uh, you know, your your 
your iTunes reviews, uh, your other things. There's so many podcast services. I can't. Yeah. I'm, I'm too old. Yeah. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. You know, uh, let us know what you'd like us to cover in yeah, the future. Certainly. Definitely. Uh, and then uh, other than that, I, I think uh, we're probably about ready to roll on out. I believe so, yeah. I'm just about to uh, unhook myself from this uh, mic- uh, microphone body that I've been embodying this whole uh, podcast. <laughs> uh, I was Ignis Maddox. Steven Hero. I'm PMC Trilogy. Uh, you can always find me at Twitter and Twitch, PMC Trilogy. Uh, and w- what do we tell him, Steven? Sylvano Venta. <laughs> No way, we did that last week. Come on. <laughs> I don't have anything pithy to draw from, oh, really. Like I said, I didn't laugh once during these two episodes. Oh, my God. I was racking my brain this morning. It, it, it's okay. It wasn't Steven Hero's moment. Yeah. Hold for humor. <laughs> I have nothing. Pause for laughter. Pause, Pause for, for laughter. laughter. Pause for laughter.